The following is a message by Dr. Howell Jones from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. We turn again to the book of Genesis chapters 2 and 3. Let us hear the word of God. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So far, the reading of God's word. Now, here we have the divine account of how evil entered into the world and became part of humankind. It's set out for us from two angles that complement each other. On the one hand, we have Satan, and on the other, Adam and Eve, or Eve and Adam, to follow the order in the narrative. And each of these three is involved in what took place, what resulted, namely the commission of that sin which involved all mankind in ruin and condemnation. Each was involved, but not everyone, in exactly the same way. And that differentiation is made clear in the verses that follow when the Lord God comes into the garden and holds court verses 8 to 19, and he investigates and he adjudicates and takes account of what each party has done and apportions appropriate judgments and consequences. Now, this morning I want to look at Satan's words and just touch on uh, the response that was made to him and God willing, in two weeks' time, we'll look at uh, the reply 
more closely of Eve and Adam. Uh, doing what we're forced, in effect, to do, divide up the material that way, uh, means that we will be giving more attention this morning to Eve's response than Adam's involvement. Uh, I hope you won't draw any uh, conclusions from that. Eve, for sure, was silly. But Adam was silly and spineless to boot. Now, here in these opening five verses, we have Satan's words about God's words. We begin with, has God said? And we end with, God knows, by which Satan means that what God has said is not really what he meant by what he said. He has a hidden agenda that he has not disclosed. And there, of course, you have the first higher textual critic in history and a revisionist interpreter as well. (laughs) He alters what God says, and then he puts a meaning on it that is other than what God says. Error isn't just fact. Error carries weight, power. Now, Satan's words can be gathered around three lines of thought, I suggest to you, and I think I mentioned these in passing, a little while ago. First of all, we have the prohibition enlarged. When the Lord God addressed Adam, uh, he only prohibited Adam's eating of one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, What we have here in verse 1, the latter part of verse 1 in chapter 3, is a prohibition that Satan extends to all the trees of the garden, any tree of the garden. They're all out of bounds, he's suggesting, with seeming innocuousness. The form of the question, of course, is not intended to imply ignorance on his part. Somehow he knows what God has said. He's able to refer to it. But liar that he is, and murderer that he wants to be, he distorts, misrepresents what God has said. He isn't asking for information from Eve, and of course he isn't denying flat out that neither would be accurate to his nature. What he wants to do is to draw her in and to implant within her mind the merest suggestion uh, that God, note he doesn't say Lord God, God is restrictive. Has God said you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the second thing that we can note from his words is this, that he diminishes the punishment. This isn't as obvious uh, from the text. It might seem from the words that we have, and I'm reading the ESV, uh, that what the serpent says is a categorical and flat denial. You shall not die at the end of verse 4. In reality, there's a Hebrew idiom at work here. 
what the Lord God had said to Adam was, eating you may eat. And that repetition of the verb implies certainty, intensity, even totality, extensiveness, uh, with that one stated exception, of course, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat of it. But of every other tree you may, you may eat and eat to your heart's content. That form of the Hebrew idiom is echoed in God's promise to Abram, blessing I will bless. And it indicates, of course, the continuance and the perpetuity and fullness of the divine blessing. Now here, of course, we have that negated in the words of the serpent. But the way in which that construction is to be is usually negated is with a negative particle not between the two verbs. What you have here is the negative particle first and then the two verbs. And that slight shift is significant. There are two places in the Old Testament where that variation occurs. Amos 9 is one of them. When God announces the destruction of Israel's foes and goes on to talk about the destruction of Israel in the process, but not entirely. Not entirely. And that is the form of the idiom that you and I have here in Genesis 3. We could translate it something like this. In dying, you will not die. He diminishes the penalty, the punishment. He doesn't deny that there'll be punishment, but he diminishes it. What a liar. Enlarges the prohibition, minimizes the punishment. That's his stock in trade. What he's saying is this. Dying you shall die isn't as bad as it sounds. Hell isn't awful. And then thirdly, the purpose distorted. What he says is this. God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God. Why did God prohibit? Because he didn't want you to be like him. He didn't want to share any blessing with you. He didn't want any fellowship with you that would elevate you in any way whatsoever. He wants to keep you down. Just as the commandment is repressive or restrictive, here a repressive cast is put on God's words so that the net effect is this. That Eve is confronted not by a benevolent, generous creator and provider, not by one who righteously and justly threatens a punishment for transgression against his law, and not someone who wants to impart any blessing whatsoever. In other words, you see, what Satan has done is to put his own face on God's face. That's what he's done. So that Considering what he says, Eve now has a picture of a different kind of God 
from the one she had previously known. A kind of supernatural being, but satanic. Now there is Satan's trident, his three-pronged lie. That was how he played his part in the narrative, didn't he? You know he did, and so do I. I don't mean that we know that because we've just read it, and it's obvious, though that's true. I don't mean that we know it because Paul says so in 2 Corinthians and in 1 Timothy 3. I don't mean that we know it because it's part and parcel of orthodox belief in the church down through the ages. What I mean is this, you and I know it because that trident has been stuck into your heart and mind and mine. That's what I mean. That's original sin, isn't it? This is our intellectual and moral DNA. As we come into the world, a God who is opposed to us, a God who restricts us, a God who is averse to our potential. And we ourselves must assert our own individuality, claim our own rights, deny all responsibilities, of course, claim our own rights, carve out our own path, fix our own goal, make it happen. Life is at our beck and call. And you know, it's only regeneration that can change that. And that is God's work. The wind blows where it wills. You hear the sound of it. You can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. It's mysterious, sovereign. God's spirit in association with a word of promise, yes. But it's his spirit that takes out that heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh. And if that, were not, if that is not the case then what we see is Satan's lie being believed, taught, promulgated, diffused, defended, justified as true in society at large and in the church as well. And so powerful is this lie that even this morning you and I know that there are times when we have to struggle against its power. Regeneration delivers us from its dominion and darkness but how we need to be sanctified in order that we may think of God as we ought to think and love him as we ought to love him and obey him whatever he says come what may. So how should Eve have replied? Well, imagine yourself. Put yourself in the garden. How would you have replied? And if you say, oh, no problem. You don't know yourself yet. What happens now? How do we think now? How do we reply now? This is his stock in trade. He does it time and time again. God's harsh. He's repressive. He doesn't have your best interests at heart. 
Think of all those commands that he piles up. Life. And there's nothing really to be afraid of with regard to death. You can face it. And there's nothing after. Well, how should we reply? Quickly. We should say of all the trees of the garden, we may freely eat. There are promises. There's permission. There's liberty. There's fullness. There's abundance. There isn't one command that God has uttered without a promise to enable us to comply with it. And his promises are not just measured in terms of enabling us to comply with the commands. Think of all that goes beyond in terms of grace and joy and peace and power. We need to magnify the promises while not ignoring the commandments. Satan wants to focus on the commandments. He hates the gospel. Doesn't understand it. behind the gospel of course is that goodness and abundance which God displayed in creation of all the trees of the garden you may freely eat and the tree of life as well you note Eve said we may eat she didn't say we may surely eat she didn't say eating we may eat she just said we may eat And similarly, she said, we will die. No, we will surely die. She was silly. Adam was there and he was spineless. He said nothing. To disobey God is to merit that eternal punishment. To call evil, to refuse to let him Determine what is good and what is evil. To call evil good and good evil is Satan's mindset. And hell is the place where there is nothing but such thinking under the judgment of God. I've already hinted to you that Satan and Eve Don't use the word Lord. Only God. That's important. The God who is, is the God who is the covenant redeemer. The creator is the deliverer. The God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And in considering him as Lord, In the face of Jesus Christ. Don't we want to keep his law? Don't we want to resist the evil one? And we can turn to him. For power to do so. Let us pray. We give thee our thanks O Lord our God. For thy most holy word. Its depths are beyond us. We acknowledge it. We thank thee for what we can glean from it. And even that at times is more than we can grasp by faith and always more.
than we can fully understand, yet we thank thee that we can say we know it and believe it, albeit in part. We pray that thou wilt keep us in the truth of it, lead us in thy ways, enable us to detect any manifestation or expression of the lie of the evil one that would murder rather than liberate and extend that gospel that saves sinners to the uttermost ends of the earth. For Jesus' sake, amen. Copyright 2008, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this broadcast on our website is preferred.